new year from your boys here at the Homers Podcast. It's your boy Randy and Rob, and we are back. Uh, last week we left you, um, the Jets had a chance at the playoffs, and of course now that's no longer the case. I'm pretty sure that's will be uh-huh. part of well, the Rob Report. <laughs> well, they still have a chance. They, they now technically have a chance again if <laughs> they go to an 18 format in theory, uh, but that won't happen. So, <laughs> but um, but a lot of other things happened last we left. Um, obviously, yeah. you know, the World Cup concluded. Um, in the middle of that, we also lost Pele. So there's there's a lot of stuff that has happened since we've last left you over the winter recess. Um, before we get into sports, Rob, how have you been? Uh, I've been good. Um, the week off between Christmas and New Year's was nice. Um, now it's going to be a pretty heavy grind to the Super Bowl. Uh, and I have my birthday on Sunday where I turn 30, which is not fun. But now, hey, 30 single, ready to mingle, right? <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. Listen, I mean, sp- spoken as a as a thirty year, I I as a thirty year old, right? <laughs> you know, um, as a fellow thirty year old, um, I used to dread that day until like you know, I like, it feels like a veil has been lifted in your thirties because you, you you feel that you know the expectations of other people and all that stuff is like off of you and you're just entering things with just just a, a freeness about things. So believe me, your 30s are going to be your best decade. They lied about the 20s. <laughs> well, I mean, so. look, to quote Dennis Reynolds, I am a golden god who has not even begun to peak. So it's fine. <laughs> so th- th- there's that. You know, <clears throat> my my Christmas vacation started trash, but it ended pretty good. That's and uh, it's kind of it's kind of led into the new year. Um, For the most part, um, but yeah, man, like a lot of, again, a lot of things happen in the world of sports, but first things first, as before we dive into the, you know, uh, to the nitty gritty in terms of local sports, um, I mean, this does tie in, we do have to kind of touch on our first topic of the show and, um, Monday night, um, obviously, you know, it's a big game for the, for the bills in terms of seating and and whatnot in terms of the playoffs and not even an hour into the game uh tamar hamlin um you know was suffered cardiac arrest on the field um that was something that when i heard when i heard of the news i was i wasn't home and then when things started popping up and i saw like the hit and then him trying to get back up and go back down it was it it was crazy, you know. It was crazy, man. Um, I I can't say, um, I've seen anything like that on live TV in my lifetime before. <clears throat> I mean, outside of you know me growing up watching professional wrestling, the only thing I can say that was close to that was probably Owen Hart, who passed away tragically, yeah. um, doing doing a stunt in the ring, and then he ended up passing away in the ring, and they continued the event that night. Um, that was in, I believe, May 99 when it happened. And they continued that night. And they had a tribute show the very next night. And um, 
it it, it kind of echoed that sentiment just a little bit in that space since it's um kind of since it blurs the lines between sports and entertainment. It's a blessing that he's alive. You know, um, it was a lot of conflicting ideals in terms of you know whether they should continue the game, and of course, Skip Bayless's tweet that set everything on fire. Uh, you know how that friction between him and his co-host on, on Undisputed was. It was a big thing, man, and 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 you know it was it was something that I can honestly say that kind of pa- put the world on pause for a bit because everywhere was, was sending nothing but good wishes and and, and goodwill to. You no, know, Demar uh, Hamlin and his family in terms of his recovery, and um, it was a very, 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 very traumatic experience for anyone who may have seen it. It was gruesome. It was it was scary because you know you you know football is a very gruesome sport, and you know they run the risk of things like that happening. But to see it visually, you know, it it, it paints a different picture and a different perspective in terms of how really violent that sport is. Um, But enough about me in terms of what I thought or my initial reaction to it. What did you think about the DeMar Hamlin situation, Rob? Yes. So, um, so I wasn't watching the game. Um, I was in bed about to go to sleep and my phone kind of started blowing up. Um, and I look over and see just a bunch of my friends, just like what just happened. So obviously I went to Twitter um, to see like what exactly was going on. Um, Cause it was maybe like, I wasn't paying attention to my phone. So I like flipped over and saw that I had like, I don't know, like 20 messages of people talking about it all over the last like half hour so i'm just like well what's going on uh and so go to twitter and i saw the video where it's like he makes the tackle he stands up and just falls back down and i was like that was it was unsettling yeah i mean it's scary because it's it's one it like it's one of those things where it's like you know like you're you're conditioned even even with all this concussion stuff where it's like you see people get tackled and then they don't get up and they're kind of like, you know, moving their arms or legs or whatever on the ground. And, or even the, you know, you get like the tool with the fencing response and it's all like unsettling. Right. Or you get like, even the people where it's like, they get up and then they stumble or like, they might like, you know, fall to their knees. Just, you know what I mean? Like, but like, they're clearly there and it's completely different than like, he gets up and then straight up just, falls backwards on his back, just not moving. Um, I mean, thank God that they, you know, that, you know, right now he's still alive and he seems to be showing um, signs of improvement. Um, but yeah, like that, that was, it was one of those things where it's like, I mean, you know how violent football is and, like, the amount of times when people talk about they're going to die in the field and, like, you almost just, like, know in the back of your mind, like, one day this is going to happen. But at the same time, you never think that it's going to happen because you watch it and it's, like, it never happens. You know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, I, I, you know, just just sort of thank God that um, – the 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 medical staff there was able to 
you know, do CPR, resuscitate him. They were able to get him to the hospital and that um, he's, you know, alive right now um, and, and slowly getting better. Credit to the Bills um, being uh, one of the Bills medical staff who was a first responder and being able to do that and doing the chest compressions and able to, you know, you know, keep a pulse or get a, a pulse, no matter if it was faint or not. Because I know there was a report that said that when he got to the hospital, the heart stopped again. They had to re resuscitate him again. And to go through that situation, I remember that night, probably like around, say, midnight or so, after everything kind of just settled and the whole skip thing online and, you know, them going at them. I, there was a tweet from a doctor. He posted a video in terms of exactly what happened and the reasoning of exactly what happened. It wasn't anything health related in terms of COVID or whatnot, in terms of vaccine that people were kind of spewing. It was more so like he had blunt force trauma at the right time. And the yeah. way he explained it, the way he explained it took me back to like ape, you know, to uh to to um anatomy and physiology back in college when I was when I was going to be a P, you know, PA back then. Um and I remember, you know, your heart goes through different waves. You know, your P waves, your, you know, Q wave is in a third. There's a wave that basically, like, when your heart pumps and restarts itself, is that T wave. That's where it basically restarts everything. Like, it restarts in terms of, you know, your your rotation when you, you know, you pump the oxygen and you send blood out to the system and right back again for the cycle. So it's that point where your heart stops before it's able to pump again. That's when he got hit. And he got back up. But the heart couldn't constrict enough blood to get to the rest of his system to flow and function. And then that's when he just collapsed and his heart completely stopped, you know, because your heart has to recharge. So once you get that repolarization from, you know, the, the cycle in your heart, it's supposed to give you that jolt to continue. He didn't get that jolt. It was faint. And then he just collapsed. So when he when the doctor explained that, one, it took me back to school a little bit and was like, damn, like, I, I forgot how much I remember from all this. And two... It kind of let me, you know, at least feel better that he might be okay. You know, he could be okay because if that's what it was, he can recover. Now, the question is now, since he's woken up, you know, the recent development is that he woke up. So I know the first thing on certain people's minds, the selfish fans, is, okay, when he's going to get back on the floor? Many people many people thinking maybe he, he doesn't even want to get on the floor right now. He legit experienced a, an event where he was – he died twice, <laughs> you know, so for him to even think about going to play football, if it's his decision, then, you know, listen, that, that's, that's beyond our hands, no matter what we think. That's, that's, that's a him thing. But for the sake of humanity, you're supposed to have some form of empathy, knowing like someone went through a crazy event. And the first thing you're thinking is something so selfish. Then when can you get, when can you get back? Like it's selfish. Yeah. And, and it kind of, you know, in a lot of ways, the NFL kind of like showed its ass in the worst way. And Skip Bliss didn't make it any better with the tweet. However, there's a caveat where I felt like I under like that was kind of blown out of proportion. And that's the messed up part about context online. Because the second part of what Skip's tweet was, it was irrelevant in terms of his point, which means the fact that he kind of felt that, all right, whatever you know, where he felt at the time.
now it brings us here. You know, he, he's up, he's responding, he's with family. Whatever decision I feel that he should take, or many people he feel feel that he should take, should be on him. It shouldn't be on, you know, the, the Bills, it shouldn't be on the NFL. It should be on him because he's the one that went through that event and he has to kind of sort himself out in terms of how he wants to conduct it. He can call it a career and find different things to do and stay close to the game, or he can recover and still be part of the team and miss their playoff run. And then when the next season comes around, if he's up to it and then if he's cleared by doctors after this crazy traumatic traumatic event, then we can see if he's, you know, if he can play again. But it's not on the fans to kind of decide, all right, you you awake now, so get back on the field. So I just hope that, you know, he makes a, a, a good decision in terms of, you know, how to uh, proceed after this event. But um, moving on from that somber news, there's happy news for Giants fans. The New York Giants have clinched a playoff spot, and they're going to go to the playoffs for the first time in about six years. Last time they've been was Odell Beckham was a member of the team. He's still active in the NFL without a roster. Elon Manning was still our quarterback, and we lost to the Green Bay Packers. Because, you know, uh, after that, uh, what that, that yacht pick that they took <laughs> after clinching the playoffs, <laughs> I yep. was like, "This is gonna <laughs> like that was gonna bite us in the ass." Um, how much how much credit goes to the players, and how much of it goes to Dable? I mean, I I think most of it goes to Dable. Okay. Okay. Personally, um, uh, because because to me the main the main reason for their turnaround is that Daniel Jones has played better than he has his previous what three years, um, and to me that's that's on Dable, you know, like has it helped that Saquon's been healthy? Yeah, but. At the same time, the O line is still not that good, uh, and they have <laughs> all the all the all the other skill position players have for the most part gotten injured. So, um, I mean, it has to be on it has to be on the coach to be able to find, like, utilize guys the best way to find the right guys like with a next man up mentality everything else i think that falls on the head coach personally it's crazy because i kind of like it obviously the players yeah just not to say that the players don't deserve any credit but to me the most credit would go to dayball you know i know i know we're kind of far from nick's talk right now but it kind of does akin to what tibbs was able to do year one with you know those players with randall when he had the mip year you know, um, to have a guy who is a decent player that could get you 20, you know, that was one of the first years where he could actually look like a legitimate, you know, top 15 player in the league. And Dable was able to do that with Saquon for the first half of the season, you know, when he was putting up some really, really good numbers from from, from a running back's perspective. Daniel Jones, you know, his turnovers have been low this year <clears throat> as a quarterback in previous years, and he's finding ways to be a better game manager. Which, you know, sure, he's not, you know, Mahomes and, 
know these other great part, you know, these great QBs, but he's been serviceable enough to follow and execute the game plan that Dable has been been given to him, and he's using their stre- their strengths, you know, as much as he could to 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 squeeze out uh, some 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 of those wins that they got this season. So now going into the playoffs, I know it's going to be an uphill grind. You know, obviously when you get Jalen Hurts back, obviously it's the Eagles to lose. That that whole conference is the Eagles to lose, you know, with a healthy uh, Jalen Hurts. But for the Giants just to even make it, you know, it's a huge thing because, you know, again, like if the Jets, if the Jets were in this position, I'd, I'd, you know, applaud, you know, Robert Taylor in terms of what he's been able to do. But unfortunately for them, obviously when we get to them momentarily, injuries were, were a huge part of it. And of course, there's a huge question mark at QB in terms of not ability, but maturity. And, and of course, mental ability as well. So, you know, for the fact that he got a season, Daniel Jones, who has been able to be a leader on that squad, it's been a good sign. Now, their online does suck. I mean, that's was also with Eli's, you know, latter years as well. But I can hang my hat knowing that from a defensive standpoint, the Giants will be able to control the game. And to be able to at least give up a fight so that the offense can at least do something. Because all you need is just, you know, one good play or one good break or one good snap, you know, offensively. But defense, defense is what wins championships. And that's why the Giants, have, you know, that's where they've won those four. You know, they've done it through grit and defense. You, they, they have never done it through, you know, a wide open West Coast offense type stuff that, you know, you see other these, these teams be running. So, but the Giants... It's going to be quite interesting to see as we go to a two-minute warning. But um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, where they stack up in terms of who they face, you know, in, in that in that first game. Um, so let's move to the Jets, where I know it's going to be a little bit of renting. <laughs> or more so just understanding, because for me, they just got off to a really good start akin to the Giants. They were basically neck and neck in terms of where their records were at certain parts of the season. And in some form and way, you, you, you lose Brees Hall, which, you know, you thought you can sustain that. Obviously, we couldn't. And then there were some injuries to our, to our you know, our, our main guys on defense, which also impacted our, you know, what the Jets were able to kind of get away with this season. How much of the blame or the reasoning for the fallout for the season goes to inconsistencies at quarterback, the injuries, the drama between Wilson and 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 Sayla, or and how the roster has been constructed? How much of that blame goes around in terms of what's gone wrong towards the end of the season? It goes everywhere. It goes everywhere, like. I, like so, before the buy, essentially, what they were doing was even with Zach Wilson under center, and him not, you know, having his problems, clearly not being ready to play QB. Um, me personally, I think less from a, for the most part, from a maturity thing. Oh, he had his little thing, um, but like. For the most part, he actually has been fairly mature in terms of handling the media, other than that one thing after the Patriots game, and he's frankly taken responsibility every week since. Um, 
it to me it's been less about that it's been more about him sort of reacting and reading a defense in real time and that's caused problems um but before the bye they were still winning other than against the patriots with him right like the only games he lost the only game he lost before the bye that he started was the patriots game right not, and not the one that they lost at the end off of a punt return the one where he played like shit. Um, and part of that was because knowing his limitations at QB, that he shouldn't, you know, he should only be stepping back to throw, you know, what, 20, 25 times a game, as much as it pissed off Elijah Moore, they won by running the ball and controlling the clock. And they also still had Elijah Vera Tucker, who propped up that O-line. Post the, you know, Broncos game and, you know, which was week nine and, and soon later the bye. Uh, or what was what was the Broncos game? It was week, what, seven or eight? And then their bye was, was week nine. So post bye, you've now got the O-line turns back into a pumpkin. LaFleur goes completely away whether it was Zach or other under center goes away from running the ball and controlling the clock and keeping the defense off the field. So that way the defense, you know, was always fresh, could actually get turnovers because they stopped getting turnovers in the second half of the season. They stopped. They've had like two in like seven weeks, um, which was not the case beforehand. You know, when you're, Going up there, I don't care who the hell your QB is. Out of any of the ones that were on the roster, none of them should be dropping back to throw the ball 50, 55, 60 times a game. And that's what LaFleur was doing, the offensive coordinator. Uh, then you have the team coming into games that are must-win as they're on a slide, you know, as they're on a, you know, two-loss, three-loss, four lost slide they've now lost five in a row and six of their last seven where the teams are not focused that has to fall on solid that has to fall on you know some of the team leaders on defense like cj mosley some of those like it's just a complete breakdown across everywhere like mike white not the answer god bless him not the answer okay i don't care i don't care if the offense if you know I don't care that he was able to, like, in Minnesota, throw for 300 yards. They couldn't fucking convert in the red zone. Both because Braxton Barrios can't catch a fucking ball or because the O-line can't create holes or because LaFleur doesn't want to just run the ball or because Mike White can't, you know, make touchdown. Just whatever. I don't care that the offense looked pretty because they were losing. Because the game plan was, I, I don't care. The whole point is to win. You know what I mean? And and sitting Zach Wilson was the right move, but then why did you go away from the game plan? It's literally the complete. It's 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 essentially the same as like the the problems that Cowboys fans have dealt with, right? With Dak Prescott, where it's like, why is Dak throwing fifty five times a game? When you have Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard, 
you should be running the ball first. Let him throw, you know. I mean, Dak, Dak is better than any of the QBs on the Jets. But, like, so if you want to have, you know, Dak throw 30 times a game, like, fine. But, like, the Jets should have been doing, hey, run the ball 25 times a game, run the ball 40 times a game. I don't know what, what like, but they decided to, like, worst idea ever. Hey, guess what? Our O-line sucks. Let's have our guys drop back 55 times a game. Let's not control the clock. Let's keep the defense on the field. That way they can do stupid shit, like let teams march down the field and give up chunk plays. And, hey, it's fourth and inches against Detroit. Let's just leave the tight end wide open for a 51-yard touchdown and we lose the game. Like, uh, it just the blame is all over the place. And, frankly, going into the offseason, like – Chances are Zach Wilson's still going to be back. You cannot bring him back to be the QB1. You need to bring somebody else in here because, frankly, as we, as you know, you may have heard where LaFleur came out and said, yeah, he probably should have sat. And, like, I, I don't know if the idea of when we took him number two overall, so we need to play him, like, if that was why, then that was dumb. You know what I mean? Like, Like, just, just, I mean, so I'm just looking at it where it's like, if you're bringing back Zach in any capacity, which you probably are, because he's still talented, right? Like, he still has all the physical traits, um, but he cannot come in to be your QB1 at all. Uh, you Get, get rid of LeFleur. Like, cause he clearly doesn't know how to develop anybody. And I don't care. Like just, he's useless. And, un and unless, and look, I'm not one for constant turnover cause you need to build some stability. So if Salah has not lost the locker room, which I don't, I would like to think he hasn't, but it is concerning when the, the team doesn't show up to play these last couple of games when it's must win. Um, unless you already have some secret deal with Sean Payton, there's no reason to just get rid of another coach after two years. Keep Salah, get name. rid of Lafleur, and and you know maybe you just need to get bring in like a veteran offensive coordinator who's not your best friend. And maybe that'll work. You know what I mean? Bring in somebody who actually knows how to develop a QB. Uh, and who nope. who can actually do that job. Um, and can actually help you because you are a first-time head coach. Actually help you with some of your decisions. Like not calling timeouts when you have them. Yeah, so, I, I think, um, I, I, I think that's, having... That's kind of where I stand. So to close with the Jets, I, I, I do think... In terms of what you said, you made a point. In terms of you know you need you need a you need a different voice that's not someone that you're very very close with. Sometimes I think the best teams have coaches or even players that either have a professional understanding and don't like each other because sometimes those things are good enough for the team. You need you know you need someone that's going to conflict your uh, you know your ideas even if you think that, you know, 
this is going to be the best thing to slice bread. You need opposing viewpoints because you can't grow if everybody's you can't on a have someone page. who's on the same page as you at all the times. All the time. You have to have someone that has to put their foot down and say, "No, this is not the way we're going to run the ball." Sometimes we're going to have to throw the ball. No, we can run, we can begin by running the ball and then, you know, when we get closer, you know, when we get to a certain yard point of yardage, then we can start throwing it. But we're not going to throw it long because you think he has an arm. We're going to we got to throw it short to ensure the fact that we get the yardage type stuff. So you, you're going to need someone that's going to oppose what your vision is or basically give you an idea of how to better correct your vision. And I think that's going to be something that the Jets have to go into this offseason looking into. And if Matt LaFleur is not the, not the guy, and clearly he's not, you have to find someone that's going to help develop and help cultivate an offense that is going to you know open the skill set of a Zach Wilson if he's your answer at QB along with your you know guys you from your offensive line so you gotta you gotta figure that out because the defense aspect of the the Jets they're already there you just gotta stay healthy in terms of bodies offensively well I will just say I will just say they're not as ready as we all thought the first half of the year, or at least oh, no, of they're going to have to prove to me. They're going to have to prove to me that they're actually a playoff caliber defense, because I don't know if they just gave up. I don't know if they didn't try. I don't know if, I don't know if, I, I don't know what, or if they're just actually not that good. I don't know what the hell the reason was, but them after the buy, not getting turnovers anymore. And some of the, some of the, the Minnesota game, the Detroit game, like some of those games where it was just like, get it like, you know, I know it's easier said than done, but like get a stop. And it's like at the worst possible time, it's like they let the other team march down the field. It's, it's a, it's a uh, mix of too much too. it's a, for, for them. It's a mix of too much too soon. And they crumbled under pressure. I would you know, say that it, that's, that's, that's probably part of it, but that's why it's know, like, that's why it's stuff where it's like CJ Mosley, you're supposed to be, you know, the you know, you're the veteran. How the hell are you the dumbass jumping off sides in the Bills game? How are you the one that's like leaving I don't I don't I don't know or care whose coverage it was to cover the third string tight end in Detroit on fourth and inches on at midfield trying to win a game where you have the lead. Why is he wide open for a 51-yard fucking touchdown? I think it's a case, it's case, it's also a case of them beating themselves. And I'll, end, and I'll end the Jets talk with this. Yeah. It's a case of them beating themselves because of their inexperience. And sometimes when you're, when you're a veteran around a lot of inexperienced talent that they're trying to win or learning how to win on the fly, sometimes you inherit some of those, you know, tactics or characteristics of those guys if you're around them too long. And, and and it's not intentional. It, it, it's the fact that hey, listen, man, you know, I'm we're a team. We're trying to go with you, and sometimes you overthink a situation or you think overthink a play, and that's my what have happened with C.J. Mosley. It, it's unfortunate that it happened, and he should know better as a veteran. But you also got to understand you're also with guys who who are trying to basically learn how to play consistent enough to to, to show Lee that they they should be taken seriously if they you know, progress and move on to a, as a playoff team. But like you said before, a couple weeks ago, when we did, when we did the Jets talk, when there were, what, seven and four, seven and three, whatever, that 
even if they don't win another game, I, I know it was hyperbole when you said it, but it's still a win because of the fact that they were slated to win, what, four games this year? Now it's time to see, okay, despite everything kind of like falling under the sun for them, this is an opportunity for them to kind of look at it and see, okay, what can we take from this season? Whether if if we, we have a miracle shot or not, how do we improve from that to move forward in the regular season? Because there are a lot of positives that the Jets have done this season. Sure. The losses are unfortunate because, you know, we, we you know, Jet fans have, you know, have felt, all right, it's finally time to make it back to the playoffs and, and they're trying to join in on the dance. Cause because to be honest, the football football is a lot better when the Giants and Jets are all successful are successful at the same time. Yeah. And for them to be so close, it's it, it's disheartening, it's stressful, but it's a learning curve for a lot of those guys who have a taste of what it's like to be successful. They got to cultivate it. Robert Saylor is the right guy for the job as a head coach, but like you said, if if Matt LaFleur is not the answer in terms of an offensive coordinator, you got to look for someone who knows the game, who uh, who can probably bring a modernized system to, to the team that could that could basically well, fit no, they what run Robert Saylor wants system. to do. They run the Shanahan system. The problem is they're both from the Shanahan system. And Salah's a defensive guy, so you got to bring someone. You got to bring someone that you have to bring someone else in with who has a different background, who's probably older, who's more experienced, that has actually developed a QB before. Because Lafleur has never developed a QB ever, and that's something that's gonna we're not gonna only have because to see... he was never an offensive coordinator, but like even when he was, you know, whatever. Passing coordinator, guru, whatever the hell in San Francisco, you're working with Jimmy Garoppolo, who had already been developed by Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. Yeah. So, All right. So and who Shanahan and... was still calling the plays. <laughs> yeah. So listen, you have to bring we... in, you have to bring in an offensive coordinator who has developed a QB before. Yes. You have to. You have to. And I'm not saying that Salah is the answer. I don't know anymore. But I will say that firing coaches every other year or every two doesn't years. build stability. <laughs> and that's what we've been doing. For the last that's 10. what we've been doing. So I don't I don't want to I don't want to do that. If it's a mistake, it's a mistake. But I'd rather see what can this guy do with a different offensive coordinator? What can Zach Wilson learn behind someone with a different offensive coordinator? True. So, yeah, this season was a disappointment. <laughs> no, it, it, it was. You know what I mean? No, like, I, I mean, what I, I mean, said it, a couple it, weeks it, ago. I know what I yeah. said a couple weeks ago, right? But from a fan's perspective, right? If you're talking about from a front office perspective, right? If you're if you're Joe Douglas, it's a, dis- it's, it's, it's a disappointment. You obviously like listen. You have some answers, right? Bringing Mike Lafleur was not the right idea, right? We should have sat Zach Wilson. We should not have bent to the pressure of the owner or the fans or just the fact that we we took him at two, whatever else. If we knew he wasn't ready, we should not have played him to begin with, right? Dan, you know, to hell with with where the fuck we took them, okay? I think that's dumb, okay? And the idea that, well, if he wasn't ready to start a day two, you shouldn't have taken him at number two. Fuck that. 
Okay, you take the guy that you think is the right guy. It doesn't matter when you think he's going to be the right guy. You take the guy who you think is the right guy, and then you develop him. It doesn't matter as long as you develop him when he plays, because no one expects you to be good if he started. So why did it matter if you sucked and he didn't start and he actually learned? Okay, so that's dumb. All those people you did, you should have taken somebody else. Not if you thought he was your guy. Okay, and if you knew, and if you knew he shouldn't have started from day one, then, then you shouldn't have started him from day one. You actually should have had a veteran on the roster to begin with, which they didn't do. They went out and got Joe Flacco halfway through the year when it realized that that they made a mistake, that they bent to the pressure, or that they listened to the owner. I don't know what it was. Okay, so. We're getting Rob fired yes, up. From and an organization perspective, yet. yes. No, we have not. That's going to be <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like, yes, from an organizational standpoint, it's like, hey, if we get – if Brees Hall can come back healthy, we have a running back. Guess what? Bam Knight, we have another one. Hey, Michael Carter, we have another one. Right? All right, so – If Elijah Vanatagher comes back, like you, like, you have all those answers. Hey, we have wide receivers, okay? We know that we need to bring in a veteran – quarterback even if it is just for the short term even if it is just for a year or two but you need to bring in a veteran quarterback you have that answer you have the answer lafleur sucks get rid of him <laughs> you have the answer you know what i mean like as, well, a, as an organization you have you have the right answers you have the right building blocks to build on you know sauce gardner is the truth right you know that garrett wilson is really good you have those answers okay and yeah, you know, know what you need to go Go get in the draft. Most likely offensive line help. Because <clears> without <throat> Elijah Vera, Tucker completely fell apart. Um, and you're not gonna be high enough to draft a QB anyway, but why would you? That's dumb. Um, you know, to to, but, to 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 quote my brother in his first semester at SJ, you know, as at, at Shoe, um yeah. don't draft a QB. <laughs> Just don't. Yeah. So Just don't um, get an O line. Yeah, for for, for fans. For fans to be seven and four and watch the wheels fall off the bus. It's a disappointment. And then and then all the kids to fall off the bus. And then for the bus to go careening off a cliff. Like, yeah, it, this season was disappointing. It, it's no different. It's no different than than the We Here season where it was like, hey, we're the fourth seed. We weren't supposed to be in this position, but you know what? Expectations changed, you know, halfway through the year and losing 4-1 to an inferior team and some fucking loser who can't grow any fucking hair, who's overrated, who you can now see is overrated. <sighs> Just based off his play this year and getting benched and skipping out on games and fighting with his head coach and clearly being a problem. And being overrated and someone that they should not have traded Luca for. And they yeah. gotta find a new head coach ended at the end as of the season. A disappointment. The season ended as a disappointment. And that's what this season is. It's just another disappointment. Yeah, I said I wasn't gonna rant before my Robert Report and I lied. There we go. You got yeah, me. See, I was trying to get you out of it so many times, bro. I know you were, but I can't. Can't help I, myself. I, I, but now so we're, I, we're, we're good. But, I don't even think we need a two-minute warning at that point because you you kind of no. just, you know, we don't need a two-minute warning. We could just dive right in, dive right into uh, the basketball. Yes. Yeah. 
We can we can definitely dive into basketball, considering the fact that well, it is basketball you wanna, night. Do you want to quickly touch on, very quickly, actually give me a two-minute report on All right. baseball before we go to basketball, because Rob's report is basketball? I don't mind that. I don't mind that. So, so. So so let's let's hit it with the two let's hit it with the two minute warning. So um hey man, you have it. So I'm gonna put the two minutes on the clock right now. And Rob, this is your two minute warning. Let us have it. Okay, so obviously uh I am a Red Sox fan. They uh signed Raphael Devers uh mm-hmm. to an eleven year three hundred thirty-one million dollar extension. Um he's twenty-six. He plays third base, so it'll be done when he's 37. Um, and everybody wants to praise the Red Sox for this move, and I will not. And do you want to know why? And it's not because of what you think, right? Because it was the smart move, but it was also the obvious move. And I'm not going to reward – I'm not going to reward mediocrity or doing the bare minimum or doing what any dumbass would do. I'm not going to reward ownership – <laughs> for for signing a homegrown guy who's 26, who's going to be who who my god, look you should have seen looking at all the statistical categories, how he's like top five in every in almost every offensive statistical category since the year 2019. The last like four years. Extra base hits, home runs, RBIs, whatever else, right? And he's arguably He's arguably, I mean, he's he's arguably, he's what, a top three third baseman in the league, at worst top five. And he's homegrown. He's proven he can play in Boston. And since you've gotten rid of every other face in the franchise, you had to keep him. You had to. Just remember, okay? They traded bets to get out of the David Price money to rebuild the farm system so that, and then to also have the extra money so that way they could re-sign Bo- Bogarts and Devers. Well, they let Bogarts walk. So if you weren't signing Devers and you were just going to trade him, then what was what was the point? So you know what? This was something that they had to do. They clearly did it as a PR move because they've gotten raked over the coals for how they handled Bogarts, which just brought up feelings about all the favorite hits, how badly they treated <laughs> David Ortiz. And John Lester, and uh, and oh, oh time, 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 time. So, <laughs> I will just finish and say I will not give them credit for doing what was obvious and frankly the only move to do, and the team wow. still sucks because it's not even like they added anybody. So, congratulations. But I am happy that they re-signed him. I just well, won't give ownership. I just won't give them credit. No, no, no. You there know, you, know. You, 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 don't, you don't have, you don't have to. They, they shouldn't. You're right. They should not be rewarded for doing what they should be doing and taking care of their own talent. Now, being so that the fact that they are taking care of their own talent, let's see if this opens up for them to actually build around him and the rest of the team. So, moving on as we get to the hardwood, um, the. Our neighbors in the East River, the Brooklyn Nets, have rattled off a 12-game win streak, one of the hottest teams, up until the other night, one of the hottest teams in the NBA. Uh, One of the hottest teams in the league. Kevin Durant playing at a 
phenomenal level. Kyrie Irving, since coming back, has played phenomenal as well. Ben Simmons fighting in a role as he's getting healthier and healthier. Jock Vaughn doing a great job. I believe they were 21 and 7 since he took over. Um, I'm not sure has anything changed since that win streak because uh, when we last talked, uh, the Knicks were in the midst of their own win streak uh, or beginning of a losing streak, actually. Um, and um, the Nets were continuing theirs. You said then that they're still the same team, not quite the Eastern Conference contenders. You say they are pretenders. Now they're still winning. Do you still feel the same, Rob? Do you still feel that the Nets are pretenders? Do you still think that, you know, um, you still think that they're, you know, they're good enough to be a good, decent playoff team, but not a championship team in Brooklyn. Uh, I'd probably say the latter. Uh, I won't call them pretenders, um, because, well, clearly what this proves is after the bubble, they should have just hired Jacques Vaughn rather than send him back to be an assistant and bring in Steve Nash. Should have never listened to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving with that one. Uh, Oi! <laughs> uh, so, there is that. Um, but... That was mistake number one. <laughs> I still don't think... I still personally don't think until I'm proven otherwise that I think the East is going to have to run through Milwaukee. And I think that they're the best team. Um, and until I see, you know, the Nets who are not as deep a team and as, as disgustingly filthy as Kevin Durant has been and as good as Kyrie Irving, you know, has played on the court. I'm sorry. They will, they will never step on the court and be the best player if Giannis is on the court with them. Um, and I think Milwaukee, Milwaukee actually like Milwaukee actually has championship DNA together. Um, and Giannis is still the best player, just based off of his three straight 40, 10, and five games. Um, and the Bucks are just a deeper team to me than the Nets are. Uh, and I'll trust. I'll trust that, even though, you know, I'm not the it, biggest fan of Mike Budenholzer. Uh, I still think it's, fun, it's until funny. Somebody, you, until look, un, until the Nets, you and Matt agree. You and Matt agree that you, the Budenholzer sucks. Not I've sucks, been saying that for like, <laughs> My God, I like they won the championship, and I was like. They should probably still get rid of him. <laughs> but, uh, but no, like, uh, yeah, no, Matt, I, Matt I'm not, definitely like, said Brooklyn, that. Brooklyn has clearly righted the ship, and I think a lot of credit to that is obviously Katie remaining healthy and Jacques Vaughn mm-hmm. coming in. Um, they needed an adult. They needed an adult for those guys. Yeah. Well, they needed. You know, Steve- I mean, they need. They actually needed one head coach. Is what they needed. Not <laughs> seven. <laughs> um, oh, Jesus. So, uh, look, I'm not going to call them pretenders. Um, they're, le- you know, a legitimate playoff team. But, un- you know, until I see them, like, beat Milwaukee in a playoff series, 
I'm not going to think they're championship contenders because I think that the East is Milwaukee's to lose. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, the way the East is stacked up this season um, and, you know, and the way the league is kind of stacked up, the way things are so jumbled up, the only team, like, I don't really see any serious contenders out of the West. I, I do know the championship is going to come out of the East. Like, a, a, as good as Denver is offensively, they still have a lot of issues defensively. And, you know, I've seen too many times where teams were trying to target Jokic for, for, from that side of the floor. And as great as Jokic is, he can put up all the great numbers he wants. But for some apparent reason, it's like they freeze up at at the worst possible time. You know, you, you think that's a team that's ready to compete for the next five years and overtake the Warriors as that team because logistically and, and, and realistically, that's the team that from a, from a play style standpoint should supplant them in the Western Conference, but they haven't taken that jump for whatever reason. You know, as talented, again, as talented as Jokic has been as a player for that franchise, they haven't taken that step. But let's, in terms of moving it towards the East, my fault. My thoughts of Brooklyn in that twelve-game win streak is they beat the teams they were supposed to beat. The trash teams like Detroit, Orlando. You know, team. You know, they beat the Warriors team without Clay, who's playing off a of back-to-back when you played in New York. The foul we get. You mean without right Steph? No, no, no. I think no, I don't think Clay played that game. Did Clay also not play because yeah, Clay. Yeah, I'm Clay sure they play. beat. They because I'm sure they beat. Golden State without Steph because Steph's been out. You no, know, Steph, 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 Steph was out, but Clay wasn't playing yeah. back to back. Oh, Clay didn't play either. No, he didn't play back to back. So it was basically, oh, well, yeah, that's you a know, game that they should win. Yeah, so that's a game they should win. So, they, you know, they should, they should, they should have won even if Clay played. Exactly. So it's like no you offense know, to Clay, but like, you know, that's a game you, you're supposed to win. You know, um, and even because you know they were without Wiggins and, and Curry for for a considerable amount of time, so. And you beat Washington. You 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 got past Toronto with, with a buzzer beater, with, with a game winner. Um, you hung tough with a couple other teams. You blew out a couple teams. You beat the teams you were supposed to beat. You know you beat Milwaukee on that stretch, but it was on an off night and it was still close enough for them to beat Milwaukee, which tells you like yes, it's great that they're winning, but you know. You also have to temper that with, okay, you're beating teams you're supposed to beat, like those bottom feeder teams to, to get your confidence up. But Boston in that stretch clapped you. <clears throat> when you were when you were in that 21-7 stretch, they clapped you. And Boston's in a in, in a free fall. Well, right now they're beating they're beating Dallas. Uh, well, I, right I, I forget the stat, but it's at some point since some point in November, they've played five hundred. Yeah, Boston's played five hundred. They they were they've been eight and eight after starting eighteen and four. Yeah. Um, shout out to the Hitlers because I was watching their podcast last night when they put up those numbers. Um, so, um, yeah, so they've been playing five hundred basketball since, and and that should tell you, you know, where the Celtics are at. But Milwaukee, by far, because of Giannis, is still the best team, and they're not fully healthy yet. And mind you, when they did beat the Bucks, they played without Chris Middleton. <laughs> so that again should tell you a sample size of where the Nets are now. Are they taking advantage of these, you know, uh, of these injuries and 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 you know vacancies in terms of the lineups? Sure, but at the same time, it doesn't really tell you like whether or not they're they're a legitimate championship contender. They're going to be a great regular season team, of course, 
but you've lost you've also lost to Philly when you had everybody together without Joel Embiid. Yeah. You know, you've also, you know, you, you, you and again, you know, you, you have Boston, despite them now, their offense kind of sputtering on, on most nights after their great start. They still clapped you. They still have your number. Like, they still have that psychological edge over you. It, it's, it's between those two guys in the Eastern Conference. Something has to be done for them to kind of say, okay, we want to separate ourselves. Sure, yes, Kyrie and KD are playing fan, fantastic basketball. Their nights where the Nets are shooting exquisite from downtown, but they also have a lot of answers in terms of how are you going to continue playing these guard lineup with with, with Curry and Patty Mills and Joe Harris? One of them got to go. Then you got TJ Warren to deal with, and then you also got you know, uh, and then you also got a got a guy from Royce O'Neal. You also got to figure out what you're going to do with those players, if especially if you're playing small too, when those kind of off-guard lineups, you know, when Kyrie and KD sit down, teams are going to feast on you from a defensive standpoint. From, from, from when you guys are on, when they're on defense, teams are going to feast on them. Their second unit is well, going to look at them as lunch So that's meat. the thing, right? If you think about it, it's – which is actually why it's – I'm actually curious because if you're lacking – if you're lacking size, right, and you go small like you're Brooklyn – the team that smacked you because they can they're just a deeper team that's built a similar way is Boston, right? And then when you look at the size, it's like, hey, Cleveland has Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. And then Philly has Joel Embiid. And Milwaukee has Giannis and Brooke Lopez. And it's like there's a lot of size. If you can't They've been doing it well. I don't know if it's because of the competition or because of their refocus or whatever, but the it could um, be, it could I think be, it was the defensive right. rebounding under Jacques Vaughn and making an effort to actually defensive rebound the ball, which is not dissimilar to the you know the Knicks since this current stretches I'm sure we'll get up to. Um, the defensive rebounding is huge, but you're going to it's going to be a tall task to try to do that in a playoff series in in a best of seven against those three teams, let alone a team that matches you just but but deeper in size. Like if if you know if you have the Celtics with Horford, a healthy Horford and Robert Williams, right? Or if you have um, obviously, like I said, whether it's Cleveland or Philly or Milwaukee, that's it's going to be an uphill. It's 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 going to be an uphill climb, which is why, like yeah. when I when I did when I did my season's predictions, I had them around four or five because there's a chance that I mean I had Miami higher. It's crazy how they free fall in this season. Oh, I you know. It is you know, I know there'll be sellers coming up soon, but. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if Miami I mean, will be sellers. You got to get off of Kyle Lowry somehow. But but um, with the Nets, like, despite their wins and stuff like that, I, I see too many deficiencies because of the fact that they're too guard-heavy and they're too small. And even if they make a move, 
the price is too high to obtain those guys because they have no assets to attach to them. Outside the shooters, like, you know, outside the shooters. What do you mean? Dwight Howard's out there putting up Will Chamberlain numbers in China. In the Philippines? (laughs) (laughs) I forgot he was in Taiwan. Same shit. Um, But the, the thing about it is, like, the Nets have to find size. They have to find at least a, a big enough wing to basically stay in front of Giannis. Like, outside of Kyrie trying to check a guy like Donovan Mitchell for seven games, they're not going to have a guy that's going to basically stay in front of Donovan Mitchell, Malcolm Brogdon, who's a bigger guard, Drew Holiday, who who could put you in clamps. And you got to deal with Darius Garland as well in the backcourt. And then from a front court situation, like you guys are thin. You're not going to rely on Ben Simmons all the time. And then, of course, you think about the Philly caveat. You got to think about James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris in the middle, PJ Tucker, and Joel Embiid. So whenever Philly gets their well, shit together, I mean, well, the other thing, I'll, the other thing I'll quickly add is we also don't know. Like, listen, Ben Simmons might be fine with his little role right now in in, in the offense and everything else. It's going to be different in the playoffs. We don't. We have not seen him in a playoff series on the court. We've seen him sideline in street clothes, the big stupid smile and sunglasses on. But we have not seen him since he was passing up wide open layups and dunks that even I could have hit in the NBA because he was afraid of going to the free throw line. And that's going to be a huge test if and when they when they do get make the playoffs. Yes, that's going to be a huge test in a seven game series. Because think about it: is them making out of them making it out of round one isn't guaranteed because of outside of like the six seed currently. Those other fourteen, you know, those other four teams as above Brooklyn right now. It's not a clear cut shot that they can even surpass one of them in a in a, in a seven game series. It, like say for yeah. like even if they held home court advantage and, it, and Cleveland was the fifth and they dropped to five and 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 Philly had a you know it was a three three six matchup and one of those guys fell. It's not a it's not a guaranteed exit because other teams have an abundance of things that the Nets are missing. Sure, the Nets have shooting, and that's what drives the game in a regular season game. But come playoff time, the game slows down a lot, and it's really down to actual coaching. And not to shade Jock Vaughn, he's been under some great coaches. He's been under Pop. He's been under, you know, God rest his soul, Jerry Sloan as a head coach. He's learned from the best. Hell, he was – I think he was an intern under uh, – I may be wrong, but he might have been an intern under Lawrence Frank when he was with the Nets his first time around. Um He's been around some coaches who know how to coach the game and have led playoff teams deep, you know, into rounds. So it's got to be, for them, it's a mix of everything. They have to do it collectively, and everything has to go right, assuming they don't make any changes. So for Brooklyn, it's going to be one of those things where, you know, everything has to go right, and Ben Simmons cannot disappear. You know, you cannot be standing in front uh, under the basket with someone that's about six foot soaking, you know, uh, buck 80 soaking wet, and you're intimidated of that. That's not going to work in the playoffs, man. Like, you, you got to go big or go home. And obviously, it's going to tell a lot because whatever happens from this season, that offseason is going to be very, very important for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, So, obviously, we took up a lot of time. So, we're going to move forward with this with Knicks talk. Um, The Knicks have been 11 and 5. 
in the last 16 games. Um, part of that uh, led with a five-game losing streak in that situation. A lot of them, most most of them were close games. I think the only game we didn't really really come out to play was probably San Antonio. Um, obviously, yeah, but that we were, was understandable because of the yeah, the 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 bullshit with Luca. But <laughs> well, uh, yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, a lot of it was couldn't hit free throws. Some of it was also no, 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 no. Yeah, no. It, it was just the the total collapse. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was. They it was had slot. not recovered by the time of the Spurs game, and that's understandable. Or well, yeah, not surprising. Yeah, because because that game was deflated. That's a game that I'm pretty sure they want. That that's a game they want back for sure. But despite that, they've been 11 and five. They've hung in. They've hung in with some good teams. But um, they've had some impressive wins in the stretch, despite certain talent not being there. But you again, you got to play what's in front of you. You got to, you know, whatever's in front of you, yeah. you got to do it in order to make the playoffs. So they got back to top six seed. Um, they do hold a tiebreaker over Indiana. Um, at twenty one and eighteen, entering the new year, the Knicks have a winning percentage entering twenty twenty three for the first time since twenty thirteen. Julius Randle, as much as he's drawn the ire of Rob. Pretty much for, for for a while now. From um, everybody. He, from everybody, really. He is really, re- you know, come to form Um, almost, if not a little bit more mature than his 2021 version, who, from an athletic standpoint, was, you know, having his best season. I do think he's slightly better more mature than than the 2021 per, version he's 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 more calmer and more selective in terms of his shots a lot of that has to do with Jalen Brunson yeah <laughs> um and he's really propelled the Knicks success this season I know a lot of Nick fans you know want him gone and want him traded and now Nick fans saying his performance sell high you know so we won't be fooled again but let's be real they're not gonna trade him so let, 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 let's they're not so, they're so, not gonna and if they are yeah, nothing would happen before the offseason anyway exactly and so, i would so, just like to quickly say i would just like to quickly say okay since you sent me the in manhattan thing i'm sorry trading him for like two picks is dumb if you're moving him it's because you're you're moving him to upgrade with a better player you're not moving him for picks. This team, as much as we would love to have tanked, this front office was never going to do it. So you should just accept the fact that this that this front office is never going to openly try to lose. They are always going to be in the business of trying to win. And so you need to actually if you make trades that are actually going to do that. Yeah, you, you like got to understand. have to. You, you don't you trade can't just star. be like, well, we're just going to trade him for have as many first-round picks as we can get and suck as bad as possible for that. No, because that's not what the front office is going to do. So if you're, you're trading gonna... him, it's because you're upgrading, you're upgrading from him to either someone that's about on the same footing who's a better fit or is just flat out a better player. Yeah, so when you try to trade a guy that's like at least – Three and a, a three and a half star player for a four or, or better. You, you got to make sure you know. Look, he's playing like a no. He's, he's playing like a four star player, and he has an excellent contract. Again, 
he has team friendly contract. contract again because he's playing like a four star player. Okay. So if you're trading him for another four star player that or is better. a better fit, or if you're, pl- pe- you know, trading him for a four and a half star player, or my God, please, a five star player, that's what you trade him for. You don't, you don't trade like, him for just, just be realistic about what the front office is going to do. Don't throw out stupid shit like, we should trade him for two first round picks, like right now. They're not going to do that. And any move that's yeah. going to happen, they're not going to do any big move during the season. They're not going to. So any of these, any of these dreams of, well, we're going to just like get some huge fucking guy. First off, nobody's available and B, they're not going to do that mid year. No. So just and table it, that thought until the off season. Yeah. So like right now we're still with Randall, like let him ride out this season. And from, and, a couple of days ago, it hit me, and I told JJ this in terms of what Randall reminds me of, in terms of the kind of heat he gets from Knicks fans. Some people may not get it; they might not believe, you know, they they might not like the analogy, but it, it hit me, and, and I, I I'm surprised it hit me. It took me this long. Randall's fifty fiftiness with the fans reminds me a lot of when Chris Webber was in Washington and his early days in Sacramento. Why? Average the same. In ter- in ter- I, look, I looked at the, in terms of numbers, they're similar in terms of where they're at. They've expressed very discontent in certain seasons when, when they were, you know, at a certain level in their career, averaging similar numbers, but it wasn't translating to certain things. But when, but when you get, a point guard in a situation that can calm you down and put you in a position to get some wins. Like I saw the comparison the other night in terms of how you be demonstrative sometimes and how Chris over used to be before you got to Sacramento. I, I just, drew, I just drew the comparisons together and I was just like, ah, it makes sense. You know, like he's a guy yeah, that, you well, know, I mean, look, I mean we, well, I mean, look, we, we, we got annoyed at Randall last year because the effort from the year before was not there. And so I don't care that you were averaging like 90% of the numbers that you were, if the efficiency was horrible and you were giving minimal to no effort, especially on defense. And that was what pissed off everybody. It, it had nothing to do with, with, Oh, well he's he, like, you know, Oh, well he, he's only averaging like, 20 10 and 5 not 24 11 and 6 it wasn't that it had nothing to do with that it was completely about the 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 effort especially on the defensive end and so what i think you're getting at is that jalen brunson is mike bibby yes or no you didn't hear me listen man (laughs) what a difference a point guard makes i'm telling you yeah listen it does listen Listen, J- Jalen Brunson went back, especially last night. Well, Randall even says it. Randall even says it. He comes me down. I bet he like, does. A different. I bet he it, does. It, was, it also it, probably it was, doesn't help that Obi Toppin, who the fans, the first missed shot. Now, hopefully it's stopped at this point because Randall's played well enough. But how earlier in the season and all of last year, the first were... missed shot that Randall would take, everybody was chanting for Obi to come in. Oh. 
Yeah, but I, I love the fact that, but my thing is, and Julius is turning around, and I don't want to center Nick's talk around Julius. I want to center it more so around the team. But yeah. the the best part about Julius' turnaround is the fact that, one, since the beginning of the season, he held himself accountable. Two, he got in much better shape. Not the fact that he wasn't last year, but you can tell there was a lot weighing on him last year, which kind of led to what RJ was going through this year, minus the yeah. demonstrativeness. Yeah. To Plus, have a leader know, like new newborn kind of fuck shit up. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> when, 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 when you have a lot of things coupling around that at the same time and everything hit Julius at the same time, like him yeah. being loved by the, by the, by the New York media, him getting the, the pressure. Contract, yeah. No, the pressure, pressure, the pressure of trying to carry that fan base for right or wrong. It, uh, it's, I say that it's, fan a, base, it's a, us, uh, it's a lot with the flame out of the playoffs and and winning most improved and now having different expectations from coming off a year, frankly, two years where you had no expectations. You got a newborn. You've got no point guard. You know, and not, and not only that, like it was a second straight season where you had to have short rest to start the season. Yeah. So you you didn't really fully heal from the glass because when you got eliminated, it was early June when you got eliminated. You had to go you, you did get a month off in July because you had to go back to training. And then when you finally got some time off, it's go time to go back to your regular season. Yeah. So this is the first regular season where okay, you have from April to at least August to kind of detox, get ready, get your body right, get your mind right. Obviously tampering, but <laughs> it was worth the tampering charge. But <laughs> to get Jalen Brunson, I, I, so, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> so, you know, sure. Did the tampering? Did the tampering cost us Donovan Mitchell and, and Utah not playing hard, playing good ball with us? No, sure. I mean, no, 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 no. Hey, you know, semantics. No, it didn't. But <laughs> semantics, semantics. Rob, let me cook. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> but you know it, it was semantics so you know but for to get Jalen Brunson to get a leader that can help a guy like Julius Randle kind of calm himself down and and be able to be the best version of himself obviously going into the regular season you know there was a thought that he could return to that it's a welcome sight the fact that he has returned to that, and for the most part, up until what we're at to game forty already, yeah, game forty three. We're at past the midway point of the season, where we're at a we're above five hundred, and Julius Randle's playing some of the best basketball he's been playing, even more so than his twenty twenty one year, where he was obviously our main guy, but to do that while Jalen Brunson is also that guy. And for lack of a better term, a godsend because without him, we don't win that game last night. <laughs> you know, for a guy to make some clutch shots and for to, for him to you know to to center everybody, it for me it is a godsend to have a point guard that can calm down a team, pick his shots, pick points, and make sure to make others better, which he has made. Randall not only a version of himself that Nick fans can, you know, grab onto again. But I think be more appreciative because now we're starting to see more of the complete game we're seeing from Julius Randle. Cause the better that he he's playing, the more we're starting to see from, you know, Jalen Brunson and what he can offer other guys on the team. Sands, RJ Barrett, Manuel quickly has gotten played better. 
Quentin Grimes as he has been proven worth to be like, listen, do not get this guy. You know, and, and for the most part, Tibbs has has been able to, you know, conjure some 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 wins from this team. So Mitch has been I, big too. Mitch has Mitch's been Mitch's defense and offensive rebounding has been huge as well. So a lot of that goes to a, a lot of that goes to Tibbs, and as much as people kind of push in on Tibbs, and you know we do it too most games, and sometimes it is his fault. Tibbs has done a good job making developing people. They say, "Well, Tibbs doesn't develop people." I'm like, Mitch is still relatively young; he's under 25, so he's able to still develop. You know, RJ Barrett's 22. He's eliminated a lot of stupid fouls he used to do. Exactly. Yeah. You know, last so, night, last night aside. Spurs True. game aside, <laughs> you know, Spurs, Spurs, Spurs game aside, Mitch has been a godsend. Even on Christmas, he was he put like listen until the second half, and then beat it went went to work. And you know the refs are doing ref shit on Christmas. Um, he helped Embiid in check. He's been holding a lot of big men in check the entire season. Every time he sees DeAndre Ayton, whatever I don't know what Ayton did to him, but every time he sees him, he shuts him down. <laughs> Ain does never he never has good games against Mitchell well, Robinson. Wasn't wasn't in the first overall pick in the draft where he went in the second round? That is true. That is true. I kind of think that's what he did. <laughs> no, <laughs> like he 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 made Aiden look like the second round pick. Every no, every time Mitchell Robinson and DeAndre Aiden go at each other, like it's like Randall Mitch makes him look like. The, oh no! Hey, listen. Every time Randall sees the boys, lunch meat. Then that that's barbecue chicken right there. Every time Randall sees Sabonis, I don't know what he did to him. They're not even the same draft. Class. No, no, I, I no. It's because Randall they went was... after the same All Star spot. Hey, Randall got it in twenty twenty one, and Randall got it. You know, but they ended up they ended up playing in the same team anyway. Like so, like he got it on as a reserve, but. Randall was putting in work. Like, I at that time, Randall was averaging some crazy numbers, and he's averaging crazy numbers now. I think in the month of December, he averaged 28, what, 28, 12, and, and, and 5, borderline 5, like and average, averaging close to 50% from the field. I have never seen Julius Randall this efficient. He's at this stretch, he's being he's better than 2021. And, well, yeah, and again, that, that, that really does go to the, the shot selection is way better. The shot selection is way better. He's not settling for mid-range jump shots. He's going straight to the rim. He's doing what yeah. I dreamed of him doing. Like, bro, you are six eight and a half, two sixty. Yeah. You're strong. And then, you know the other the thing he's not doing? He's also not trying to be Steph Curry or Damian Lillard, where he's taking Ooh. those crazy multi-dribbling step back threes. It's usually if he's taking a three, it's he just it's usually he's, off of a catch and shoot. He's taking it in rhythm. He's he's gathering himself. The only thing that he and the Knicks have to do better at is don't put the because, ball on his hands the last three no, no, minutes no, no, of no, any no. game. It's not even that. It's not, it's not even that. Well, I mean, <laughs> even though even though Jalen Brunson, thank, thank God Jalen Brunson's back, it should be in his hands. The one thing he and the Knicks should do better is fucking make your free throws. That's the only thing yes. I ask. That's the like because because Jalen Brunson's too good of a free throw shooter to go six of eleven. Well, how many games did we lose because of missed free throws? I, 
at least five. How many games? Because we went like because we 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 missed like nine, ten, eleven free throws at the line, and we ended up losing games by one possession. How many games over the, the losing streak? Was it three of the five games over the losing streak? Game one of the right? season, the second game against the Grizzlies. No, no, but what I'm Sixers, saying, like, like just over the five Bulls. game losing streak, wasn't it three of the five games we lost like that? It was because of leaving points at the line. Yeah, the game against the game against Portland where Jalen Brunson went. What was it? It was um, and missed at the line. Yeah, Dallas, of course, which was which was the glaring one. You know, the the, the I, that's the only thing I can honestly say. Like the Knicks since the first Dallas game since early December, they posted yeah. eleven and five. That's yeah. really really good for what they've been able to do. You know, and Tibbs. Shortening the rotation, I think it might go back. You know, he he said he's hinting it might go back ten because of Obi's return. And well, what do you want him to do? Because Obi, chances are Obi's not going to play on Friday. Chances are he'll hold him out again. Let them get a full practice in over the weekend because then I don't think we play until Monday. So you'll have the weekend to actually get a practice in, right? I think. What do you want him to do? In terms of what rotations? Yes. Do you want him to go to a ten man rotation? Do you want him to take out somebody? Do you I want think, him to keep Obi out? I do think what he do needs to stagger do? that I think he needs to stagger that nine ten spot. He has to stagger that nine ten spot a little bit. Oh the only reason why I say that is because part of those losses and a part of those free throws are attributed to attrition. Because a lot of those guys are playing the bevy of the minutes. You know, you do need at least a breather for one of those main guys, Randall included. Because there are times where Randall would go on a stretch of hitting seven in a row in the first three quarters, but you're putting him in the fourth quarter in a very tight game, but you see he's tired. You know? Like he's just dragging and there's no lift, there's no arc, there's no like on those shots. So you have to at least give some of your starters or your important starters you're gonna go to in the last five minutes rest. You have to find better ways to pocket that rest and you gotta open up at least a spot, even if it's for a short amount of time, whoever might be given to it. I feel like Deuce might be the full odd man out on that one because you do need length at the three spot. So they might put Obi. They tried that spot with Obi and Julius, that 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 lineup, which actually was nasty <laughs> and actually kind of did work. So I think Tibbs might re-experiment with that, with Obi as a three, Julius at the four when they do stagger with the starters, and then whoever's at the five between Jericho and, and, and Hartenstein, even though I'm leaning more so to Sims at this point now because he has been playing much better than Hartenstein. That's neither here nor there. But in that rotation, I probably would have put, you know, Obi at the three, Jules at the four, or you can interchange either one of them because at the wing, they they can run. And Obi, you know, from the moment that they get the offense, the, the rebound, he's already down the floor. So whoever's that point guard, whether it's Quick, Jalen Brunson, you know, uh, if if Rose is part of that rotation, he, he can get that easy lob that, for those easy two, two, two points. So... I do like the fact that they're sending him to the G League, like how baseball would do for, you know, for their players when they send them to the minor leagues, kind of just rehab, get rhythm. 
Because that's what the G League is there for. It's not a demotion. Like, Nick fans say, oh, you're coming to the G League. They're wasting his talent. No, no, no. Obi needs to get his body right so that Obi can play consistent basketball when he gets back to the main team. It's all it is. He had, he had an injury trying to get himself into shape and decent game shape and, and decent rhythm. So when he joins a team, like he's not rusty. It's all about timing and, and, and knocking off a lot of rust. He hasn't played in about a month. So you're here to that. So this concludes Nick's talk. So our last segment, the best segment, at least for me, because I, I get a kick out of it. It's the Rob Report. Rob. What you got? What you got to say off your chest, man? Well, so we all know how this week on Monday, uh, it was kind of buried with the Demar Hamlin stuff, but Donovan Mitchell went for seventy-one, which Uh-oh. of course got a bunch of <laughs> yeah, yes, uh, which of course got a bunch of people uh, on the internet and podcasts and wherever else in their fields <sighs> with. What ifs about the Knicks should have gotten Donovan Mitchell and all that other BS and blah, 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 blah. And it just kind of pissed me off because it's just more revisionist history. Um, You know, certain people talking about the biggest what ifs in Knicks history where it's like it's January 5th of 2023 and they didn't trade for him in September of 2022 i don't know how you can make this such a big what if unless you have you know you're dr strange and you've you've seen 14 million 305 you know alternative realities and somehow we were going to win the nba championship this year or, or in the next five years you know with with donovan mitchell on the team uh but the idea wouldn't it be great though? Certain people in their podcast put. No, seriously, the idea that certain Celtics fans in their podcast, you know, <laughs> Bill Simmons, sitting up there saying, hey, it's got to be a huge what if because, this, you know, this Knicks team is currently over 500. And, you know, if you make that trade for Donovan Mitchell, which is just RJ and picks, you just slot him into the RJ slot and, huh, hunky dory. They're they're possibly a championship dark horse. Like, well, uh, no, that's wrong on two accounts because first off, the last trade that was offered was not just RJ and picks. It was, I believe, RJ quickly and picks plus Fournier's expiring essentially. Right? Okay. Uh, And the Utah Jazz were still not satisfied because they wanted an extra pick and they wanted Quentin Grimes. So let's say then that you do that deal. Hmm, Okay. So we remember what the defense was the beginning of the year on this team, right? With no Quentin Grimes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, So how is Donovan Mitchell going to – and the Knicks defense going to look that good if essentially you're just dealing with – for lack of a better term, just poor man's Rudy Gobert and nobody to now actually be your point of attack defender. Unless, of course, you're relying on Mitchell, which, of course, as you learned the previous two years, relying on that with no help 
didn't actually go over well. Okay, cool. Um, oh, can I answer? Can I answer that real quick? Yeah, go ahead. First of all, Mitch is better than Gobert. Um, secondly, no, um, but you, no, I'm <laughs> no, just saying, Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert in those years. Yes, Rudy Gobert in those years, he won Defensive Player of the Year. Lack yeah, of a better term, no. poor man's Rudy Gobert, right? It's a rim protector. <laughs> you, you know what I mean. Yeah, no, 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 no. So before we get to the second issue, right? But so just like the idea of it's not just we just plug him into the RJ slot. It's the same thing with the with the, you know. Oh well, well, Kevin Durant just went right into the Harrison Barnes spot, except it was like, no, they 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 took out Harrison Barnes and Leandro Barbosa and Andrew Bogut, and then no longer had a center. And so like. It's a different it, – it is a completely different team. A. B, you're adding fucking Kevin Durant. I don't care how good Donovan Mitchell looks. He's not fucking Kevin Durant. It's not seven feet. There are limitations. There just are. So that that whole – oh, we, we could just take out – he just comes into the RJ. And that's the other – that's the other half of this. Okay. So he comes into the RJ slot. So what's the pecking order? Is it Donovan Mitchell who, on a team with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen and Darius Garland, who has a 30-31 percentage usage? Is is he the number one? Okay, cool. So then who's the number two? Is it the point guard or is it Julius Randle? Conventional wisdom would think that it would be the point guard, right? Jalen Brunson, that he would have the ball the second amount, the second highest usage, right? I mean, you would hope so, because at the beginning of the year, when Julius Randle was leading in usage and RJ Barrett was second in usage and Jalen Brunson was third in usage, we suck. Okay, cool. So now we'll make it then. Okay, so would you rather do that? Donovan Mitchell has the most usage at, you know, 30%. And that means that Julius Randle then is going to need his touches. So then he'll be second. And so we want Jalen Brunson back down to what he was at the beginning of the year, which was like, what, like 22% usage? Because that worked out so well? Okay, cool. Which means that then Jalen Brunson is now the number two. Okay, so that means that now it's actually Julius Randle is now in the third slot. And how long did it take him to get into a rhythm? Well, let's see. When we were doing the beginning of the year and R.J. Barrett was the one getting the most shots and Julius Randle was trying to just fit into the offense where he could, right, and was still taking bad shots because he was just jacking up the ball whenever he could touch it. Um, or over, sorry, over-dribbling the ball whenever he could touch it because he didn't know when he would get his usage back. Um, how did that look? Oh, he looked like shit. And looked like last year's Randall, and why we were all so pissed off the entire first half of the year. So, no, it's not as simple as just well, we just plug him into the RJ slot, or that it's all fine. And the idea, and the idea that Julius Randall would be this Julius Randall, is nonsense. Because right now the pecking order is both uh, in terms of usage, and and just eye test. Julius Randall offensively is. Number one, doesn't mean that he's the most important, but the usage he's, I think he's at 26%. Brunson's at 25 and RJ is at 24 when they have played. 
That's what the usage is. Okay? Right. 26, 25, 24, which means that Randall is one, Brunson is two, and then RJ, who eats a lot with the second unit, that's when he's not just standing in the corner and, you know, you know, hit threes or, you know, cut to the basket, like any of that stuff, right? When he really does his, you know, driving and running, like the offense runs through him and he does his driving, that's with the second unit. So then you're going to be relying on Julius Randle to run the second unit, where chances are Brunson is not. So then he's not deferring to anyone. Okay, so it's exactly what we went through last year, if he's the third option. So in no, so in nowhere does the math add up as simply as, well, you just plug them in, and they're easily a Dark Horse Championship contender, probably a fifth seed in the East, if you just plug him in for RJ, because that's actually not what it is. Not only in terms of just the on-court math, just basketball math, it doesn't check out that way. And Julius Brunson and Julius Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle are not playing the same way that they are now in completely different roles with Donovan Mitchell here, no matter how good Donovan Mitchell might be. But then you're also looking at the fact of chances are quickly and Grimes are at least quickly and most likely also Grimes are also going out in the trade. So it's actually your two best perimeter defenders are also going out in the trade. So it um so I, I don't want to hear any more about woulda, coulda, shoulda, or anything else. Okay. Danny Ainge was not gonna send him here. Just accept it. And move on and, and, uh, and be happy and, that you know what? We're 21 and 18. And frankly, we should probably be like 25 and 14 if we could hit fucking free throws. <laughs> we we'd be so just the, be the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. Just be happy. Look at our net rating. Look, we're 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 top ten in both offense and defense, and I think we're seventh overall in net rating. And we're twenty one and eighteen, and it's because we we have not closed a number of games that we should have. Just be happy that that it's not a repeat of last year. Yeah, and and a lot of the you know as much as people would like to trash Leon Rose for it, and I get it in my group chat with my friends too. It's like, yo, they should have traded for him. You know, we need excitement at the Garden, guys. I get you. Listen, we have been starving. The Garden is exciting a... as long as you're winning. Exactly, and but here's the thing, winning. though. But here's the thing, though. A lot of guys who are Nick fans or claim to be Nick fans don't understand like the di- what makes the Knicks their DNA of the Knicks doesn't matter if you're a five-star player or not. Because that shit doesn't matter when you put on that jersey. When you put on that jersey... It's about effort and defense. It's about effort. Like, you you can get away with that shit in in L.A., you know, or certain teams back in the day. I mean, now... Cleveland, or Utah, or Denver, or Boston. Maybe not Boston, but... but You can definitely get away with it in Brooklyn. Yeah, I'll I mean, tell you that yeah. one right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because 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 Brooklyn. You but can't get away that, with it in Manhattan. You can't. You can't you can get, get away, away with, it. with it in Brooklyn, where nobody gives a shit about you. <laughs> you know, so it's like when you put on that jersey, it, it it matters when you're representing New York and New York City is a tough market to play in. So it doesn't matter what kind of star player that you are. And yeah, we're, we're we want that kind of person. We we want what everybody else got. We want a Steph Curry on our team. But, you know, we have to make do with what we have. And because of that, you know, 
listen, we got to rock with what we rock with. And, and not like these guys are trash. Julius Randle has been playing like a top 15 player this season. And Jalen Brunson has been playing like a top five point guard this year. You know, like in terms of what he's been able to bring to the Knicks, like he has been working and grinding and being the leader that we actually need. You know, I'm trying to. Um, so yeah, no, exactly. Like I'm, I'm trying to. I think it was, was it Macri? I think that wrote this. I, I read it somewhere where somebody compared getting Jalen Brunson in the off season, where they were like, this could legitimately be, like, he can have the same impact on the Knicks as Kyle Lowry did when he went to Toronto. yeah the Raptors yeah yeah I, yes. I heard that analogy you, did you analogy. read yeah. and 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 you it was what? Mac I think it was Macri I th- I think it was Macri right that that was what he wrote right um I hope I'm I'm contributing that to the right person but um and it's and and that's what Brunson has done right where it's just it's a steadying force he's a good player right. He might not be flashy, though. Some of those crossovers where these, like, Caruso's fallen, like, oh, boy. Okay. Um, But, like, just getting that guy. And you know what? If down the line, like we were, like I was saying before, if you upgrade from Julius DeRozan to whatever the fuck the Kawhi Leonard would be, I'm for it. <laughs> and then, you know, make it hey, and yeah. then and then you know what? You have Pascal Barrett. Fine. I have no problem. Yeah, like like the thing about it is like as much as people would like to crap on the Knicks for not trying to go for the home for the home run play. Well, they were gonna crap on them whatever. If they made the trade, they were gonna shit on them. Exactly. So it's like no matter if we made the trade or not, and when we didn't it, make like, the trade, they shit on us. They got there they got no win. No, no. And that's and, that's and, why and it's his, in the and, Rob report because this this shit just pisses me off between between revisionist history and and just almost like just making media, up shit like like clearly clearly you know either you're 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 not actually like like. You're, 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 I don't know if it would be you're, you're seeing, but you're not watching or you're watching, but you're not seeing when the Knicks are on, but like just the on-court math is not as simple as we're just going to plug in the one for the other. And but like, like plugging in, switching out your third best player for a new best player switches up the dynamic of the people who have been your first options and second options on the team. And it's also just erasing the fact that it was not just RJ and picks. The final offer that was turned down was RJ quickly and picks. Well, Quentin Grimes is part of that. And they said, no, with, with, with them wanting Quentin Grimes and another unprotected pick. And like, I don't think sorry. people want to, People don't want to understand that because of the fact that they want a star so bad because everybody else got a chance to have their star. And and, and I get it, but at the same time, for the well, first is, time... I mean, look, this is no, also no, no, Bill Simmons. No, no. It's not oh, even no, no. fan. No, no, no. But, and and, and right, Bill ahead, Simmons... Ahead, this, this, this is where Bill Simmons needs to stay out of you know New York business. You know? But think about it is, everything that Bill Simmons echoed, those Nick fans on Twitter and stuff like that, those are the same ones saying, well, he's right. He's right. That's he's fair. right. So That's it's fair. like, 
it, it's it's completely unfortunate because no, like, he knows uh, it's the Knicks for clicks. He knows. Yeah, so he he did it to poke the bear, and the fact that he he's showing the Knicks fans' ass right now on Twitter. So for him to do that and to kind of like reel in the bait because they took the cheese. Well, now clearly you're I did so- too, and I knew what I was doing, <laughs> but I clearly did too. But I'm just gonna I'm gonna call him out. Like you know, no, but it, like, it was just, well just, done. Just three, just just in all of it, especially with the. Dude, it's been it's been four months. How is this a what if? It's been four months. How the fuck is this a what if? We haven't even played one season. The worst part about it is Miami was Miami also had a deal in place, but again, Utah also reneged. They said no, so it wasn't like the fact that it's just the Knicks that 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 didn't try, you know, and then this happened. Other teams did no, too. No, but he was he was literally just doing top like five Knicks what ifs and honorable mentions. Yeah, but he had to say Donovan Mitchell's a what if because of the fact that that's still stupid because that's now just a, one of those things where you just basically drawing the ire of Knicks fans just to draw the ire of Knicks fans. And the fact that well, you yeah. you're constantly like berating like, them. like the fact that he put it like like listen if you want to go with the you know he had like a bunch of them where it's like um. Like I think one of them was like the the I don't remember if this was honorable mention or if it was actually on the list, but it's like like the mellow trade if they had just waited, which again is like partially revisionist history because Brooklyn was lurking, so like I get why they did it, but like see like that's a fair what if right or like some of the stuff with like hey they could have had you know Kareem if if they had just traded some extra thing or given them cash or Milwaukee or whatever the, whatever the fuck the whole, like, you know what I mean? Like some of this stuff, like it makes sense. Or like, Hey, if they didn't hire Isaiah Thomas, like X, Y, and Z wouldn't have happened. Like, yeah, like those are legitimate. What ifs, right? It's been 15 years. It's been 30 years. It's been 50 years. Like all this shit, right? Like you can look back and like actually see what the ripples of the effect are. Right. Yeah. But Don- Donovan Mitchell like, just became a like cavalier. Donovan Mitchell one. It's like, dude, f- fucking four months ago, we haven't even got through the season. For all we know, for all we know, the Cavs, you know, make it as the fourth seed and Brooklyn upsets them in five games in the first fucking round as the fifth seed. Fuck do I know? Then how much yeah. of a what if is it going to be that Donovan Mitchell with his 71 points on a superior team? Because let's be honest, okay? The Cavs are a better team than the Knicks. Yeah. And and were in a, a better position to be a better team last year or well well in the offseason going into this year before the Donovan Mitchell trade and it made sense for them to trade what they did for Donovan Mitchell I, I, yeah it it, it was, it was it, all right I'll close I, I'll close with this with a wrap and then this, this will close the show um like the Cavs made the best move that they felt at the, at the time was best for them. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell, you're going to have him on borrowed time regardless. So this is an opportunity to see whether or not he sticks and resigns or he could pursue his dream at, at age 28, 29, when he gets a chance to probably go to New York as a free agent. Who knows what the Knicks look like in two years? But I'm not sure who said this, but the Knicks are in a pretty decent position to build for the next few years. Like if, if they keep the way they're going right now in terms of the pieces that they have and not take the bait in terms of any any big star that's wanting to trade, I think that 
they can be a really good team down the stretch. And if if a big star wants to come as a free agent without giving up your assets and you still got your draft picks at the same time, you know, I'd rather you do it that way. I mean, you know, but who am who, I'm just a I'm just a Nick fan, a, a romantic of a Nick I'm fan. Just, that, yeah, that we're that just wishes... long suffering Knicks fans. What do we know? Yeah, what do we know, man? It's like we we we've, we've suffered enough, but we also have gotten to an understanding where it's like, listen. We've seen Golden State, tried to, Miami, tried to quick fix the band we, we tried it. the microwave team. We've tried it. Yeah. It has never worked because, never been, because the fan base doesn't have the patience. The front office doesn't have the patience. And and this front office will always well, – and this front office will never completely strip it down to tank. They did it the one time, and it did not – it resulted in R.J. Barrett and not Zion Williamson, which that fucking – piece of shit is out again anyway so <laughs> so, yeah, so i just Nick, so message messages for, for from rob and i for Knicks fans just move on please move, move on, on from the donovan mitchell be thing. patient be patient and enjoy what your team enjoy the team that you have all right yeah like, enjoy they're, the they're, fact they're, that it's not competing. a repeat of last year they're competing. They're working hard. They're defending. Julius Randle is playing a lot better than his 2021 counterpart year, where you got you got to give it up to him, man. He's he's completely yeah. worked his way back into Nick Faithful, and you got to give it up to him. You can't just say sell high yeah. when there's no equal there's no equal or better value coming back. You have to have realistic expectations. I don't care if you're already from Manhattan and thinking that you you're the GM of the New York Knicks, and then when you do that, you now set the the, the team back another five years. So you want to make sure, okay, if it don't work, then you can kind of explore that in the offseason. Not right now when you think something could happen. All right? So please be patient. Let the season ride out. Stop getting into your feelings about the fact that you want somebody because y'all didn't get Donovan Mitchell. Get over it. It didn't happen. All right? Get over it. Donovan Mitchell is not a Nick. All right? He is a Cavalier. All right? Would you... You you would have been completely fine giving up half the team and doing the mellow trade all over again just for him to come here at six two and overexpend himself. He would have scored seventy one points at the Garden in a loss. But see, fans, are, oh, but he's still box office though. Like that's not what we want as Nick fans, man. Like we've seen that shit before. We don't want to see mellow go. We don't want to see another mellow go through that again. We want him to have help and have enough have enough to win a championship, not just to. You know, put put asses in the seats because the garden doesn't struggle with attendance. We struggle with consistency. <laughs> so let's get some consistency first to attract that star with the team that we have, with the collection of talent that we have, and the regime that we have that's doing it, at least for now, the right way. Because Steve Mills would have done this and nuked every plan that we have had for the next five years. With that said. This has been the Homer's Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. You can find us on Anchor app where we, where our podcast is uh, exclusive at. And, of course, you can find us on Spotify at Google Podcasts and Radio Public. We'll see you guys next week. From Rob and myself, this has been the Homer's. See you next week. <laughs>